Our Bible reading this morning is from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 7, and I'll be reading from verse 25 through 40. That's found on page uh, 1,777 in your pew Bibles. And before I I start that reading, uh, just a reminder, and uh, for you guests, this is the second in a sermon series, which is called I Was Just Wondering. Rachel alluded to that. And all the sermons in this series are taken from questions that we received from the youth of LaGrave, questions and topics that they were interested in. And today, as you've already heard, today's topic has to do with romantic love, right? Uh, Singleness, dating, marriage. What role do these things play in my life as a Christian? And the passage that I chose to uh, approach that from, to meditate on that about, is uh, 1 Corinthians 7, which is a really hard and and under-visited passage. I will bet that most of you younger people here have never spent any time in 1 Corinthians 7, and I'm willing to bet that some of your older people have spent very little time in 1 Corinthians 7, because it says some really interesting things about relationships, and honestly, some pretty difficult things. So just a warning to all, you know, if you're 13 here and you're trying to sort out your feelings and think about how does this dating thing work, uh, we're going to start with some hard stuff, okay? But I believe in you. I know you can do this, all right? We're going to lay a foundation. We're going to put marriage in the whole context of God's story and then relationships in, in that context. And then once we do that, I think we'll get to the practical things. So work with me, bear with me. Before I read... As you hear, listen for the, let, me put, let me put this question in your head. As I read, in a life of a Christian, in these words, does Paul think that singleness is better or marriage? What does he prefer, singleness or marriage in this passage? Listen. Now about virgins, young women, I have no command from the Lord, But I give judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Don't seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. Hey, that's Paul's joke, not mine. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't know that was in there, did you? (laughs) What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. And when Paul says the time is short here, he means that the, the presence of God's kingdom is breaking into this reality. The time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the the things of this world as if they're not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can praise the Lord, please the Lord. 
But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord both in body and in spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in the right way in an undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, if anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong, and he feels like he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He's not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who's under no compulsion but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry does better. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone else she wishes. But, she, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she's happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, I, think, I can tell by your laughter you know the answer to the question that I asked. What does Paul rank more highly in this passage, marriage or singleness? I think it's very clear. He doesn't, he doesn't say either of them are bad, right? I mean, that's clear. But he ranks singleness above marriage. I mean, you see that in several places. Verse 38, a person who marries does right, but a person who stays single does better. Verse 27, are you unattached? Don't look for a spouse. And then in verse 7, which we didn't read, Paul says when he talks about whether, being, whether you should be single or whether you should be married, he says, I wish that all of you would be as I am. And I think you know that Paul is single. So both institutions are value, but he puts singleness above marriage. Now let me ask all you single people in this church, and there are many of you, is that the body language? Is that the message you usually get from church? I think most of you would say no, absolutely not. The body language of church, the sense you get from church is that marriage and family are the things that are valued and singleness is somewhere down here. So why does Paul say a person who marries does right but a person who stays single does better? This is a really complicated question, and I, I really want to give the answer to this. To do it, I'm going to have to sort of put what Paul says in the, in the whole line of God's story on marriage and singleness and romance. I'm going to lay out the whole story, and I'll help you understand what Paul means here, and that'll give us the grounds for everything else we need to talk about. And let me start by saying that when Paul says that singleness is better than marriage, it doesn't mean he's demeaning marriage. Marriage is good. If you're a young single person here and you say, you know, I really want to get married. That's what I really want. I've always dreamed of getting married and having kids. Go for it. I highly recommend it myself. I did it. It's good. Okay? And it's not a sin. It's fine. Right? So you don't have to feel guilty about that. And we know that marriage is good because it's created by God. It's his thing. He made it before the fall. Genesis 1 and 2. 
All the other animals have a partner. Adam doesn't have a partner. He's all by himself. God says, that's not good. So he makes Eve. The two come together. And from then on, it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and unite with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. God creates the institution of marriage, and like everything else he creates, it is good. And God doesn't just create the institution of marriage, he supports it. In the Old Testament, there's all kinds of laws supporting and uplifting marriage, not least the seventh commandment, right? You shall not commit adultery. And in the New Testament, Jesus supports and augments marriage. Matthew 19, um, some teachers of the law come to him. And in, in Jesus' day, maybe you don't know this, divorce was easy. You think divorce is easy now? In Jesus' day, it was super easy, and people did it all the time. And Jesus pushes back against that. He says marriage is more valuable than that. What God has brought together, let no one take apart. You should not divorce so easily. The Bible is pro-marriage. Jesus is pro-marriage. God is pro-marriage. And nothing about that should shock you. But what may be a little bit shocking is the way that in the whole sweep of Scripture, in the whole sweep of the story, God does limit the institutions of marriage and family. Marriage is not eternal, and family is not eternal in the whole story of Scripture. Let me explain what I mean by that. That's key to understanding our passage. Matthew 19, the passage I just cited, where Jesus defends marriage by saying, what God has brought together, let no one take apart. You shouldn't get divorced so easily. Um, the disciples respond to that, maybe you remember, by saying, wow, that's a high standard, Jesus. Maybe no one should get married. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, yeah, no, come on. No, you should get married. Everyone should get married. No, Jesus says, you know, some people choose singleness. And, uh, you, you know, the one who can accept this should accept this. If you can do singleness, more power to you. And then in Mark 3, there's this famous passage where Jesus sort of limits the family. His blood brothers and sisters and mother come to him and, and they, they want to take him into custody because they don't like the kinds of things he's doing. And someone says to him, oh, your mothers and your brothers are at the door. And you remember what Jesus said. My mothers and my brothers. You know who my mothers and my brothers are? They're the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Those are the true disciples. He doesn't completely diss his family, but he certainly puts the fellowship of the church and of the church community, of the Christian community, above the family. And finally, Matthew 22. Really interesting and important when you think about what marriage is. The Sadducees come to Jesus and they try to trick him. And the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, right? They don't believe in the resurrection. So they ask him a cynical question. They say, hey, Jesus, you're so smart. What if a woman has a husband who dies and gets married again and he dies and gets married again and he dies? Whose wife will she be in the resurrection, huh? And again, you remember what Jesus said. You guys don't get it. They will, neither, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage in heaven. Instead, we will be like the angels in heaven. Okay? So you put it all together and, and, you, and you get this sort of sense. You get this sort of theme. Marriage is important. 
family is important. It's blessed and supported by God. But ultimately, in the new creation, in heaven, it will be fulfilled. That the love and closeness of family will somehow give way to a love and closeness that is even deeper and even more amazing. And it won't be bound by marriage and it won't be bound by family. It won't be a romantic love. It'll be the love of Jesus. And it will be better than anything we've ever known on earth. That brings us to our passage. When Paul says that singleness is being, should be preferred to marriage, he's completely picking up on where Jesus was in Matthew 22, okay, with marriage. And he's saying, look, if that's the way it's going to end, if in the end time they will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and there'll be a new kind of deeper love that is ours in Christ Jesus, you know, maybe we should try to start living that way right now. We should start living our heavenly new creation life right now. So maybe some people shouldn't get married. Instead, they should stay single and they should form these deep communities of love where we, we weep with those who weep and we mourn with those who mourn and we support each other in all things where the love of Christ just overflows and it's not just two people, it's everyone all together. That's what Paul means when he says these hard words. The time is short, kingdom of heaven, the, 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 the new creation age is, is impinging on us. The time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. It doesn't mean you, you shouldn't you should end your marriage or pay no attention to your wife. It just means don't limit it to that. That this love that lives in your marriage should, should expand. Someday, Jesus' love and community will fill the earth and unite all people. Why not start living that way right now? Put it all together. And the picture you get is marriage created by God at the beginning, created for companionship, love, children, sustained through time, but in the end, fulfilled with something deeper and more wonderful than we can possibly imagine. Now, I'm guessing that for many of you here, and I can tell by the puzzled looks on your faces, that this is not good news. This is not good news. Wait a minute, no family, no marriage in heaven? For me, my hope of heaven is all about my family and my marriage. I lost my grandma who I was close to. I lost a father. I lost a mother. I lost a spouse. I lost a child. I lost a grandchild. All my hopes for heaven are about being reunited with them. I am not saying that that won't happen. That's not what Paul's saying. That's not what God is saying. That's not the story of Scripture. That, reuni that reunion will happen, and it will be every bit as joyful as you expect. I don't mean to put any whisper of doubt in your mind about that, because I have the same hopes as you do in that regard, right? I got people in my life who I've been dreaming and hoping to see. My wife's brother, who I never met, who died before we started dating, name's Brian. I would love to see him. I'm pretty sure that we're going to get along well, and I'm pretty sure that he'll have some stories to tell me about my wife that I haven't heard yet. So all, all the wonderful of the reunion will be just as wonderful as you expect, but that wonderful won't stop with the person you love in your family. It'll just keep going. It'll expand outward in ever-widening circles, deep relationships, joy spreading out as far as you can see, joy spreading out to eternity. 
That's the story. What does it mean for romantic relationships? Again, if you're like a 14-year-old here who asked this question, you're probably going, typical preacher. You know, I, I wanted to know what, how to do a date on a Friday night, and instead I get this story about, you know, recreation, fall, redemption, consummation. Help me out here. What does this mean for romantic relationships on the ground? Well, first of all, I'll say it again. If you're a person who wants to get married, if you dream about getting married, do it. Do it with joy. Do it without any whisper of guilt. It is a beautiful thing. But secondly, and this is something that uh, I think needs to be said, especially in this age, do not put all your eggs in the romantic basket. Do not make your identity, your sense of self, tied up in that other romantic person. Don't make an idol out of romance. As part of this sermon, I did a deep dive into Taylor Swift lyrics. And uh, actually, I blame Larry. It's Larry's fault. Because Larry was reading Taylor Swift lyrics at lunch on Tuesday. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is that he has to play a couple of Taylor Swift pieces at a wedding that he's doing. And you may be shocked to know that he's not familiar with her work. <laughs> and, so, and so he thought he would read. And that was very interesting. You, you haven't lived until you've heard Larry read Taylor Swift lyrics. But as I listened to, to Larry read those words, um, you could hear a definite theme in Ms. Swift's lyrics. And I went to some other songs, and that theme is pretty ubiquitous. Romantic love is the center of almost all of her songs. Not all of them, but so strongly a theme in all of her music, something she really cares about. And not only is it the romantic love a theme, it's um, for Taylor Swift, romantic love is like the best thing the brightest star in the firmament, the best thing in this life. And let me just give you some lyrics to show you what I mean by that. In the song Enchanted, Swift describes how she's in a sad and lonely place and everyone around her is fake, and then she meets the guy at the party and she says, the night is sparkling, don't you let it go. I'm wonderstruck, blushing all the way home. I'll spend forever wondering if you knew I was enchanted to meet you. She's in the darkness and meets the guy, and it's the light of her life. In the song Daylight, same sort of beginning. Again, she pictures herself in a dark and a lonely place. Then she meets the man. I don't want to look at anything else now that I saw you. I don't want to think of anything else now that I thought of you. I've been sleeping so long in a 20-year dark night, and now I see daylight. I only see daylight. Things of this world go strangely dim in the light of her boyfriend's face. And finally, the song State of Grace, all right? State of Grace is the name of the song she's borrowing from religious language. Again, she's in a dark place, meets the guy. I never saw you coming. I'll never be the same. This love is brave and wild. I'm in a state of grace. It's a little bit like amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Your face has saved me. 
Now, I like Taylor Swift. I think she's genuinely talented. I'm not standing here telling you that you should not listen to Taylor Swift. I don't want to get letters and emails from all the Swifties here. <laughs> but I think you will agree that in these songs, she talks about romantic love as if it is salvation. As if it will save her and make her the person that she needs to be. She idolizes, in the full religious sense of the word, romance. And how has that worked for her? Right? If you know anything about her life, anything about her romantic life, right, you know. She, she goes into these relationships with these super hot guys and it crashes. And it's just, it's like this, right? And that's what happens when you make romance your idol. That's what happens when you give the sense that you're everything. Your identity is tied up in the person you're, you're hanging around with. Think about it. How would you feel if you were in a relationship and someone told you, you're my salvation, you're the light of my life, I don't know how I'd live without you. You'd be flattered for two seconds and then you'd be terrified. You can't be anyone else's salvation. You can't even find your car keys in the morning. <laughs> and again, I'm sympathetic with Taylor Swift because what, what is she looking for in all these songs? Stability. Love. That's what we're all looking for, right? We, we have that instinct that somehow love is the foundation of this thing. But the truth that we proclaim in this place, the truth that is true whether we're here or in another place, is that the only love that's strong enough and consistent enough to hold your identity, to make you the person you need to be, is the love of Jesus Christ your Lord. Because Jesus knows you perfectly, better than any other human could ever know you. He knows all your dark thoughts. He knows all the terrible things that you did. He doesn't turn away from that. He moves towards it. He lays down his life for it. He sends his Holy Spirit on you. He lifts you up. He washes you off. And he says, I will be with you in sickness and in health, for richer or for poor, as long as I shall live, which is forever. If you want to be strong in your relationships, whether those are friendships or whether those are romantic relationships, the best thing you can do is found your life on the unshakable love of Jesus Christ your Lord and from that firm foundation, go out and love people with forgiveness and grace. Because on that foundation, you know who you are, a broken person, a needy person. Now you can go out and love other people and their brokenness and their need with the perfect love of Jesus Christ. That's where you start. That's how it works. In his book on marriage, Tim Keller mentioned something that I didn't know, and that was that the word dating did not exist in the English language until 1914. Did you know that? There was no word for dating until 1914. Now, why was that? Well, because there wasn't a thing like dating until 1914. Before that, when you were meeting another guy, or a girl was meeting a guy meeting a girl, you courted. You went over to the house of, the, of your beloved, and you sat in the parlor with the family, and they would get to know you, and you would get to know them. And as you can imagine, it was a process very much focused on discernment of character and how you fit into a community. So community and character were absolutely at the center of it. Dating's a little different. What's at the center of dating? It's a little more emphasized on fun, right? 
hey, let's have a good time. Let's go to a movie. Let's go out to eat. Same things happen to friendship. Friendship used to be more character-based, right? You'd do something together. The Amish raising a barn. But now, you know, hey, what are we going to do on Friday night? Let's go have some fun. And I'm not against fun at all. When fun is, is living up here, and the, the, the foundation we need is down here. Somehow, I don't think we can go back to courtship, but somehow we need to get back to, to character in our relationships, all of them. If you start from that foundation of Jesus Christ and the grace you've received, stand on it and love others with the love of Jesus Christ, if that's how you as an individual base your life, you will never be lonely. If God leads you into a life of singleness, you will have strong relationships with all sorts of other fellow Christian people that will be able to hold you up. If you so happen to be led towards a partner and end up married, you will have at the center of your marriage exactly the sort of love you need to make that marriage strong. Love people that way and you'll never be alone. In fact, as Paul says in our passage, you will have a foretaste of the love of heaven. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the love that you pour out in our life and that is our firm foundation. Lord, you know how much we need to be loved and we need it more than water. Thank you that in your son Jesus that we have a foundation upon which we can stand and a love that by your spirit flows through us. May that love um, be strong in each and every one of us and whether you lead us to singleness or whether you lead us to marriage, Lord. May our, your life live strongly within us all. In Christ's name, amen.